Health insurer Anthem has agreed to a proposed $115 million deal to settle a class action lawsuit filed against the company in the wake of a 2015 cyber attack that impacted nearly 79 million individuals. The attack is believed to have started out as a phishing campaign carried out by a nation state. But what sort of implications does the Anthem case have on the healthcare industry and other potential data breaches? I'm Marian Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Bill Fox, a former cyber crime prosecutor and global CTO of Healthcare and Life Sciences at MarkLogic, an enterprise database software vendor. Bill will be speaking to us about the significance of the Anthem case. So now, Bill, the Anthem cyber attack happened more than two years ago, but the incident is still the largest data breach we've seen in the healthcare sector. What stands out to you most about the Anthem breach case in terms of it being a teachable moment for the way the healthcare sector handles security or shouldn't handle security? Well, I think what stands out and, you know, the reason... I think it's still the largest is because they hit a very large organization. So really the size is determined by how much data there is in there to get at. But I think what stands out in terms of a teachable moment is some of the terms of the settlement agreement. Settlement agreement looks to me very much like a corporate integrity agreement would in a fraud case, although it's a settlement in a class action lawsuit. And part of the terms of that agreement are that for the next three years, Anthem will be audited on undisclosed security IT parameters that they need to meet. Those parameters are in the agreement and they're sealed. But what that means for them is that there will be people auditing them in their business. And that can be somewhat disruptive to the business as it is for organizations under CIA. So given both the size of the settlement, of the proposed settlement, as well as the terms which include outside auditing of their security systems and technology, I think it'll be a teachable moment that organizations will want to get out in front and make sure that if something happens to them, they have all these pieces in place to avoid the kind of settlement that Anthem is reaching. And based on what we know about the breach, are are there any sorts of security mistakes that Anthem seems to have committed that other healthcare organizations should also learn from, especially as you say, Anthem will be audited for their security moving forward? I don't have any special access, so I'm reading the same articles and and stories about it that other people are, but it seems from those that they didn't have sufficient granularity in terms of internal access to make sure as they can, because, you know, you do have to constantly think in terms of there's no way to absolutely prevent a breach in any sort of operational business because you have to be sharing data and people have to be working with that data and people need to be fulfilling the functions of the business. But what many organizations, not just in healthcare, but in other industries as well, lack is very, very granular access control. And that's more than just saying that doctors can see this and 
people in finance can see that and nurses can see the other thing. It's also how long can they see it for? And what are they doing with it that they need to see it for for that function? And when does their permission to see that piece of data run out or have to be renewed? So I think what we'll see now, the other side of that is apparently it was a phishing attack. You know, there's two sides. There's education of the rank and file members of the organization to recognize things like phishing attacks and be very careful about opening attachments from unknown emails, although it's getting more sophisticated that and it might look like a known email. And then there's the second part, which is making sure that the organization is using the best in class security and really taking security from the level of the API and down to the level of the database. You know, we call this policy-based security. So that if there's a policy that a class of people can't see something, it's not for the business to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's for IT and for the database to make sure that that doesn't happen. So now, Bill, as we know, the healthcare sector, like many other sectors, has seen an uptick in ransomware attacks. Do you think some of the ransomware attacks on healthcare entities will also end up in litigation being filed by patients or others, and why? Well, I actually think there's more possibility of litigation around the ransomware attacks than in the case of a breach attack like Anthem. In essence, the ransomware attack is the breach. So the same thing there, you know, the data was breached and exposed. But then depending on what they do with, uh, you know, there's potentially a lot of danger there. I mean, if, if they're breaking into a medical device or something like that or an IoT system, you know, there, there's actually more potential for sort of immediate physical harm there. So, you know, in terms of the breach, it's not that different. It creates many, many more problems for the organization there because now they're in a situation where they have to decide whether to pay the ransom. If they don't decide to pay the ransom and something happens, what does that expose them to? If they do pay the ransom, then it happens again. What does that expose them to? So it gets even a little more complicated, both because of that decision that has to be made as opposed to in the breach case. And then, you know, what are the potential physical harms to patients if the ransomware attackers follow through on whatever they're threatening to do? Now, in ransomware attacks also, it's often advised that in advance, healthcare entities and other entities should have good backups available. But, you know, as we know, when it comes to backup practices, you know, sometimes this is done once a day. But in healthcare, it's sort of a moving target. Patients may come in for lab tests and maybe, you know, those tests weren't within the window of when that last backup was. Do you see any potential for litigation related to things kind of falling through the cracks uh, during a ransomware attack where perhaps, you know, lab results get lost and maybe bad decisions are made based on not having the full information or medical devices getting disrupted? Are there any special cases that, you know, these healthcare providers need to be spending more attention on than they normally would just because ransomware is disruptive in that way? I mean, I don't know of anything specific, but all the examples 
that you give would certainly give rise to an attentive plaintiff's attorney's attention to file a lawsuit. I mean, obviously, if there's actual physical harm that results from the ransomware attack, somebody is going to be looking to get made whole from that. So probably all that the organization can do is try to put in place some kind of best practices and then train on them and follow them in the case it ever really happens. That's really what they're going to have to rely on if there's a subsequent investigation or audit or lawsuit filed to say this is the absolute best practice at the current time that this was put together and we followed those procedures and, you know, bad thing X still happened. I don't know that you can go much beyond that in a situation where someone has control of your data or your network or whatever it is, and they make a demand that maybe can't be anticipated in advance. I think you're going to have to rely on that point at, you know, similar to compliance and regulatory and data security. You're going to have to say, we did all the research, we looked at all the best practices, we came up with this approach when the incident happened. You know, we, we consistently follow this approach. There's training X often. These people have all been trained. When it happened, we followed these procedures. Something bad still happened. And Bill, when it comes to security governance, what blunders do you see healthcare entities making most frequently that continue to land them in trouble and they just don't seem to get it? Well, I don't know if it's sort of they're blundering repeatedly. I don't know if I'd, I'd say that, but I think what we have in healthcare to an extent even greater than in some other industries is this sort of extremely siloed, fractured legacy architecture and technology. So a decent-sized healthcare organizations could have thousands of data silos that have been formed over many years by a researcher who wanted to look at something or a doctor who wanted to look at something. They build a data warehouse to do that. There's separate data warehouses for analytics, for operational pieces of the business, for population management. So you have these complex architectures. There's many, many copies of the same data, and it can be very difficult to know who started that particular silo, who's governing it. Is it the golden copy of the data? Is is there a better record of that data? How is it secured? And we had a CTO of a large organization recently say to us that possession is nine-tenths of the law. So once these people have their data in their silo, they're very reluctant to share and give it up because they think somehow that it's secure. And, you know, what we like to say is, you know, like Jurassic Park, life finds a way. The more you try to secure data by locking it down in a bunch of different silos, the more people will find a workaround. And the workarounds tend to create really bad vulnerabilities. They make copies of things. They put it on a laptop. They put it on their phone. They send a text to themselves. And those things uh, really create vulnerabilities. So I think as opposed to sort of repeated blunders, it's that they're facing a really 
difficult architecture with a lot of endpoints and in certainly in the hospital framework, there has to be tremendous fluidity and access to the data to do what they're trying to do. You know, I say people don't run into a bank and jump over the, the teller booth and say, I need all my money right now unless they're robbing it. Otherwise, they go and they stand in line and they give their identification. And, the, you know, in, if somebody gets put into the emergency room, that data has to be available right then. And it probably has to be available at six different places in the hospital. So it's a difficult environment and with a lot of legacy technology. So I think that that's really what the industry is facing and, and trying to figure out how they can change the engine in that airplane while it's flying. And very briefly, any suggestion on how to get around that? I just think that you have to kind of make the hard decision that this is a priority on a par with traditional priorities. I mean, hospitals are not in the business of data security. They're in the business of treating patients. You know, healthcare insurers are in the business of insuring consumers. So, you know, they sort of somewhere at the board level or at the C level, they have to make this commitment to say, we are going to accomplish these things in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, and then follow through on those. And, you know, it's a very difficult time in healthcare with regulatory chaos, with, you know, very thin margins among many hospitals, but they just have to make that decision and, and follow through on it and be somewhere along in that process, as far along in that process as they can be if something does happen. Thanks, Bill. I've been speaking to Bill Fox. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.